Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their awesome hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 62. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Hope that you are having a fantastic week uh, wherever you are bunkered down at or uh, stuck. Um, here in Ohio, we are on a two-week uh, stay-at-home ban, so I'm at my office uh, <laughs> because I'm an essential employee, okay, uh, just like everybody else. So <laughs> it seems like everybody and their cousin found out a way to be an essential employee this this week. But, man, I, I hope that you guys are doing well. I do know that some people have had some struggles uh, financially through this, some layoffs, and just uncertainty. Um and I know it's a challenge, uh, so I do I do hope that you're doing well. I hope that this podcast can bring you a little bit of enjoyment during that time because one of the things that gives us all enjoyment is hunting and hearing some hunting stories. And so um, what I've noticed during this time is I've had a lot more family uh, time, purposeful uh, family time. Um, just been outside just about every chance I can get with my kids and trying to do fun stuff with them. We've done projects. My daughter, Ansley, is almost four. My other daughter's almost two. And so uh, for them, it's just been cool. We've been going out and digging in the dirt and finding worms and making worm farms and um, <laughs> uh, take a, taking a note from Dumb and Dumber there um, and just doing all that. And then yesterday was was just a really cool experience. Uh, my, my daughter and I, we were going out to do uh, her school project was to, uh, they, they are doing online class kind of stuff, and her online thing from preschool, of all things, was to go out and build this worm farm. So we're on our way out, and I, I thought I heard a turkey gobble. So I, I said, Ansley, do you want to go to call to a turkey? So I, I went back inside, got my vest, and this turkey, I, I could heal, hear him on a distant hill. And I thought, you know what? Season's not in yet. I, I've called to this same bird. I'm pretty sure he's never came before during season. I got nothing to lose. So I was like, why don't you come over here and let's, let's call to him. So I, I sat her on my lap, and I showed her real quick how to run a box call. And we're kind of overlooking this valley. It was beautiful. I ran it one time, handed it to her, and she picked it up, and she started cutting on that thing. And actually, I'll tell you what, it wasn't too bad. And uh, old Tom, he went off twice during uh, that. And that was just cool. Um, so I, I hope, for me, I kind of feel like what's going on. I feel like God hit the reset button on, on us, and um, how we reboot is going to be up to us. Uh, if that makes sense to you. I think uh, we've got a lot of things where we can just get so busy in our, our current way that we do life, for me at least, and I'm hoping that whenever life gets back to normal, I won't just go back to some of those things. I really love this intentional family time, going out and shooting the recurve in the backyard and not watching so much TV, but just really enjoying uh, family family time. So that's that's kind of how I'm spending my time and doing things, and I'm still able to talk to some awesome guests. Uh, today's guest is a guy that I've known for a few years. I met him at the Ohio Deer and Turkey Expo a few years back, and super nice guy. He actually runs a hunting ministry at his church. Uh, his name is Mark Moore, and Mark lives in Ohio. And so he's going to tell you a little bit about what that hunting ministry looks like. It might be something she might be interested in. And then we're going to dive into some turkey stories. Um, Mark is an avid turkey hunter. Loves, uh, as he says sometimes, <laughs> he loves to shoot turkeys in the face. And I think we all enjoy that. So he's got some great stories. One particular special story about a, uh, his dad's first bird. I think you guys are going to enjoy this. So here we go. We're going to jump in with Mark Moore. 
All right, guys, I have with me today Mark Moore on the line. Mark, how's it going, man? It's going great. How are you doing, Travis? Oh, doing great, man. What's going on with you? Uh, nothing much. I'm actually sitting down here at the church in our outdoor ministry room uh, doing some studying and uh, going over a few things. And that's about it. Uh, just yeah. kind of, uh, keeping myself uh, away from folks right now, but I'm um, digging into the word. So it, that, that's that's even better. <laughs> <laughs> it has been, um, I will say this about this virus thing. It, it definitely has created like a lot more, I don't know, alone time or quiet time where you can just reflect a little bit. I've gone out and shot my bow a lot more than what I normally would and things like that. Have you found it to kind of be a little, in some ways, uh, relaxing? Yeah, you know, I've been shooting my bow some too as well, along with reading my Bible and uh, also trying to get caught up on some uh, uh, work around the house as well. Um, it looks like that I'm going to be off work probably for uh, two weeks and hopefully uh, be back to work April 6th. But uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, um, as I tell people, you just have to faith it out. <laughs> uh, when you get into uh, situations like this, uh, you know, I know this is new for all of us, but um, we just have to faith it out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark, what do you do for a living? Tell us a little bit about yourself for guys that don't know you and uh, you tell us a little bit about family and, and just kind of give us a rundown of who you are. Okay. Yeah, I worked for uh, General Motors for 25 years and in 2018. Uh, I started having some uh, um, health issues with my mom and dad. Uh, my dad's 87, my mom's 85. And uh, what I ended up doing then was uh, noticing that my schedule with uh, that I normally work with GM was was not fitting. So, uh, you know, I started praying and I asked God to, to open up a door and, and he did. And uh, now I work for Bill Stein's uh, shocks and in Hamilton and Fairfield area of Ohio and very great company. Uh, I've really enjoyed working there since uh, November of 2018. Uh, got a great boss. He's actually a Christian man and, uh, and they are very family oriented. Uh, along with that, uh, I have my wife, Denise. Uh, we've been married for 29 years, uh, going on 30 this year. And uh, I have a son named Taylor that, uh, is uh, 26 and lives in Lexington. Uh, he's a graduate from the University of Kentucky and my daughter, uh, she's 23 and she's going to the University of Kentucky. And that's that's pretty much uh, our family. Uh, you know, we, we're just uh, trying to trudge along in this uh, in this world, that, in this journey that God has given us and, and uh, doing what we can do for the Lord. And, uh, you know, as you uh, know, I'm director of Focus Outdoor Ministries, and that ministry is is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I was called into that ministry in 1998. Uh, back then, uh, you know, outdoor ministry was not even thought of. I spoke with uh, some deacons and my pastor at my church at that time and told them, I said, hey, I said, you know, God's really calling me into this ministry. And, uh, you know, they looked at me and they said, well, what type of ministry is it? And I explained it to them. And, you know, they really kind of looked at me like I was crazy. They never <laughs> had seen or heard of a ministry that is in the outdoors that, you know, back in 1998, 
you know, that wasn't a common type of ministry to have within a church. Yeah. And it was new to them, uh, but very supportive. The The church has been very supportive um, as as I've uh, grown in, in this calling that God's given me. And uh, 2004, uh, the ministry finally was given a title of Focus Outdoor Ministries. And it's an acronym, stands for Focusing on Christ's Ultimate Showcase. And what I always tell people is we're making your recreation a recreation. And we just use the great outdoors as a common bond uh, to get unbelievers and believers together. And, you know, we don't beat people over the head with a Bible. We just, uh, you know, invite them to a lot of our activities and uh, we just have a great time together. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh it's grown since then and you know you know god has uh has been very gracious and 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 poured out his blessings and seen many people uh come to know the lord through the ministry and um some some great things happen and we're just going to keep on trudging and keep on going and uh as i always tell people keep on keeping on (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. So if, if guys want to find that real quick, I just want to drop this at the top end here. Uh, I know on Instagram, you just look up Focus Outdoor Ministry, but Focus, uh, because it's uh, uh, it's got the dots in between, I was going to say, what is that? An al- <laughs> I was going to say an algorithm. That's not right. I don't know. Uh, yeah. You know, we, it, it, we are on 501c3. Okay. So when I filed for that, I actually <laughs> took the dots out. Um, okay. because it's a little confusing with the 501c3 to have okay. the dots in there. And uh, so, it, you know, most people call it Focus Outdoor Ministries, but it is an acronym. Okay, uh, acronym, that's outdoor. the word. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. not think of the word. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that is on Instagram, also on, on Facebook, if guys uh, want to check that out. Uh, Mark, you and I, I think the first time we met, um, it's actually kind of sad this year that the Deer and Turkey Expo, we weren't able to go to that because of uh, you know coronavirus and all that. But I believe it was maybe three, four, four years ago that we were there, and you were actually working uh, with a company there. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, some of the connections that you have. Um, I believe there's a, a, a tree step company and then also maybe some sense. Tell us a little bit about your, your pro staff stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm pro staff for... Uh... Mastin's Deer Sense. Um, I've been pro staff for them since uh, 2004. Mastin's Deer Scent actually came out of Indiana uh, with Farron Mastin as the original owner. And then uh, a good friend of mine named Scott Robertson purchased it back in, in 2012. And uh, now um, an individual named Dave Curley uh, just purchased it this past year. And uh, it, it's a great scent company. Um, you know, every a lot, every product we ha- we have, I use, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, you're pro staff, but what products do you use? I use every one of them. We've, we've got a lot of, of great products, our double scent stacker. I've killed uh, most of my biggest bucks um, to date on the double scent stacker. And it works on a candle system and, and you put the candle inside of the container um, and uh, it, it you know, it stays away from any type of uh, fire hazards, and it's it's contained in this uh, in this scent stacker. And then you put the liquid scent on top, 
your doe pee, your deer pee, and then uh, the candles actually scent it as well. And what it does, it, it heats up that uh, that deer pee, and then it turns it into a thermal, and it travels further into the woods. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And yeah, it's a it's a great product. Um, our smell like a deer is is very good too. It's a good cover scent. That's our only synthetic product that we have is the smell like a deer, but uh, it's actually the number one uh, selling product that Mastin Deer Scents has. Uh, everybody loves it. Uh, also, I'm uh, pro staff for Stealth Steps, uh, and uh, Dave McNaughton's the owner of that. Uh, great system that's very lightweight um, and uh, very easy to install on the trees and uh, very sturdy. Uh, probably the strongest and lightest tree stand uh, steps on the market. Um, so if any of your viewers are interested in, in looking at, at either one of those companies, they can uh, go to their Facebook page or their websites. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed working with those, with those two companies very closely. So mm. I'm good. Well, thanks. I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, I remember the steps my buddy Trav bought them, and they're actually, he still has them up at his house. So that's awesome. They work pretty good. Um, I, uh, today, I, I wanted to jump in, Mark. I know you got some good, probably some good deer stories, um, but I know that you are crazy about turkey hunting, and that's coming up soon. So I thought, uh, what better time to jump in to turkeys than right now? So uh, is that okay with you if we talk turkeys for a bit? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's, uh, let's start, let's start here. Let's start with, tell us about how you got into turkey hunting. And if you remember some of those first few hunts, any, any eventful crazy stories or anything that was exciting about those first few hunts for you? How did that go down? Okay. I've been deer hunting ever since I was like 11 years old, but I didn't start turkey hunting until I was, or until probably about 1992. And uh, we had a associate pastor, youth director at our church. His name was Dennis Wilder. Now he's pastor at Mount Vernon, Kentucky Baptist Church. And he's also the director of pastorate, pastors in the outdoors. And, but he was a young pastor then, and, and he was here at our church. And uh, our associate pastor, youth director, like I was saying, and he was a turkey hunter. And he kept talking to me. He's like, Mark, you got to go turkey hunting. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to shoot one of those crazy things or not. You know, I really, really love deer hunting and small game and things like that. But he said, Mark, we got to go. He's like, I'm telling you, you're going to love it. So him and I got together uh, that, that year for spring season. And uh, I didn't know anything about calling at the time. So he says, I'll call, and uh, he's like, you know, you carry the gun, and, and we'll go, and we'll see what happens. And he said, do you know any place that being any turkey? And I said, well, you know, not really. I said, I've seen them deer hunting, but I said, probably the closest is East Fork Lake from where we're located here in Dayton. We could probably drive down there. So we went down to East Fork Lake, and uh, that was the first time I heard a turkey gobble in the woods in the springtime. And I'm telling you what, I was ecstatic over it. I just went crazy over hearing those thunderous gobbler in the woods. I, I just, 
I just went crazy over that. And even though we did not kill any turkeys that day, I was hooked for life. And the following years after that, I'm telling you what, I'd take my vacation and I would hit several states, not only Ohio, but several different states. I had a small S10 pickup with a topper on the back and I put an air mattress in it <laughs> and I would live, I would live on water and power bars. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm telling you, I was crazy. And of course I would hit some local diners in the towns, you know, close to where I was turkey hunting in, in the several small towns. But I was just crazy over turkey hunting and, and I, I started filling my tags and, uh, and, and that's how I actually got started turkey hunting. Mm. And I have not stopped since then. Mm. Um, my dad, um, he never was really a turkey hunter until I started turkey hunting. So, uh, he started going with me and, uh, you know, he's just a good old boy from Southwest Virginia, Lee County. And, um, just just a good old fella, and, and he never did call it goblin. He'd say, I sure like to hear them things holler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, him and I started hunting to get, you know, turkey together. Of course, we had, we'd hunted deer and, and small game for years together, but uh, turkey had, uh, had, had kind of um, been another passion for us. Uh, him and I both enjoyed the the spring turkey woods. So were you there with him when he got his his first bird? I was. Oh, tell and, us tell us about how how that went down. Yeah, this this is one of my favorite turkey hunts, especially as my dad's grown older and and he's eighty seven now and um, he's he's battling Alzheimer's and 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 not doing well, but. This one, I can, I can just remember it, but we ended up getting a double and we were hunting a place in Pike County, just south of Waverly, Ohio. And we were down off 32 and uh, we were on some meat land down there and we had camped and I'd scouted it out in March and, and knew where the, the gobblers were. Well, it was an old fire tower up at the top on this ridge and we could drive out and, and go down the road from where we were camping and make another turn up another road to get to this fire tower. So we, we got up early that morning and, and went up there and, uh, and parked next to the fire tower. And I had set up a blind um, uh, probably about four days uh, before we went down to actual, actually hunt. And I had some chairs in there to make it comfortable for him as well. So we walked around the fire uh, tower and, and went down a couple saddles and went out this ridge. And when we got out to the ridge, we got in the blind. And it was still, it was still dark. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, we talked a little bit and in the blind, but I, went out and I set our decoys up and I told dad, I said, you know, before I was, or when I was down there before, there was two on this side of the saddle to the left of us of the ridge. And there was three on the right side. So we got set up and I did some owl hoots and man, they started hammering. 
And not only did we have uh, five in there, we had 10. So they were gobblers all around us. So I, you know, I waited till uh, they kind of flew down. I did some fly down cackles and they gobbled back at us. So I thought this is, this is going to be a really exciting hunt. So I started calling and I started working this bird. Well, dad was on the left side of the blind and he's left hand shooter. And I was on the right side and, and I'm kind of ambidextrous. Well, I called this uh, Tom in to our, he come in from our left and dad couldn't get around to shoot him. So dad says, you go ahead and shoot him. And I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and shoot him and I'll keep calling because we had gobblers to the right of us as well. So I shot this bird, rolled it, and it, it, it just it flopped for just a little bit and just, and just laid there. And I started calling to those birds on the right of us. And here come three big toms in full strut, come straight up. And he has uh, a 20-gauge uh, Mossberg with a red dot scope on it. And they come up, and one of them started flogging our Jake decoy. And uh, Dad put that gun up, and he fired and shot that thing and rolled it. And I'm telling you what, there were some hugs, there were some tears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you what, it was exciting. It was exciting. Uh, and we ended up, I shot my bird, and then it wasn't five minutes later, those other birds came up and he shot his. They, and, and a lot of people think, well, you know, you fired your gun, you must, you know, you're going to scare away all the birds. It's not the case. It's not the case. There's been a lot of times that I've been turkey hunting and I've, I've, you know, I've uh, been with someone and, and they, you know, they, they take one and then, you know, we may reposition and go down a ridge and, and, and turn and then start calling with a different call and bring them right up and, and I kill one. So a lot of people need to understand that, you know, there's still some chances out there to bring birds in yeah. even after you shoot your gun and fire that, uh, fire that gun. But yeah, that was a very exciting hunt. Uh, I found some of those pictures the other day and, uh, dropped some tears over them. Yeah. Um, I bet. Took some over, uh, my mom and dad's in assisted living. I took some over and, and showed them to my dad and, uh, um, you know, he, he really didn't remember, but, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's a memory that I'm going to hold and Absolutely. cherish uh, <clears throat> with this Alzheimer's and stuff. But, hmm. uh, yeah, that was, that's probably one of my favorite turkey hunts. I've, I've got a lot of them since, since, uh, Dennis got me hooked on turkey hunting, but, uh, that was, that's one of my, uh, ones that I'll cherish. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's special. I think that's part of what I really do like about turkey hunting is that uh, deer hunting, I like hunting with other people, but turkey hunting is more of kind of like a team sport for me. I like hunting. I've done it solo, and it, that's fun, but I really do enjoy having people with me. I love being there um, to capture it on video and also to, you know, especially for the ones that have never killed one before. That's probably my favorite, being there on that first time that somebody hears that that gobble, you know, and they're not, they've never heard it before. I mean, that's, that's such an incredible rush. Uh, I, I think whenever you're, you're next to somebody and you get to experience that with them. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've, over the years that I've been turkey hunting, I've been able to call in birds for people, uh, first birds. And, um, you know, I, I've, I enjoy doing that more than pulling the trigger myself. Um, it, it, it does um, give you a very sense of satisfaction um, to be able to, to help someone get their first bird and mm. be there to en- enjoy that uh, excitement with them. But I, I totally understand what you're saying, Travis. Yeah. It's very exciting. Very exciting. Some people keep track, and if you don't, that's okay. It's not about numbers, but I'm curious. Do you know how many turkeys you've you've killed, Mark? You know what? I've never really kept track. I do have all the beards and, and fans of all my birds, uh, I, but I've never uh, really went and, and counted them all. Uh, I've, I've got them here in the outdoor ministry room. I've got one in full strut here. Uh, which is my largest bird ever killed in Kentucky. Uh, but I do have uh, my, all of my uh, garage walls are filled with fans and, and, and beards. And also uh, uh, in my house, and uh, it's, it's, it's got a lot of beard. Actually, I've got <laughs> some in the freezer, too, that I haven't done yet, hate to say. But uh, I'll be honest with you, Travis, I, I have not counted. It sounds like quite a few, quite a few. <laughs> I, I, I know that uh, God surely blessed me with uh, a great time turkey hunting and, and, and killing some birds, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, the kill is just one thing. Yeah. I just enjoy being out in those spring woods and uh, seeing those dogwoods blooming and the, uh, the red buds and the wildflowers and, and uh, just being out in God's creation. But you know what? There's been there's been some that's gave me the slip, and yeah, uh, no, it happens. It sure does. Can Can you give uh, us a story about uh, the one that got away? Is there any of those stories that come to mind where you man, you thought it was going to happen, and then something just went sideways? Uh, yeah, there was. Uh, this has been a few years back. It's funny because uh, we do a little videoing with our ministry, and and I've got this uh, video on. Uh, on our uh, our Facebook page, uh, and I was hunting with a friend of mine named Scott Robertson, and used used to be the owner of Masts and Steer Sense. But him and I was hunting down in Adams County, and we had hunted three days down close to the river, and you know we had been working birds uh, uh, for those last two days that just would not cooperate. And we had one gobbler that he, you know, he, he would always, he would always fly across from us, but he would never fly down onto the point where we were at. And it, it just drove me crazy. And I told Scott, I said, you know what? I said, you know, just going to stay after this bird and, and hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get him. And the uh, the next year he did the same thing. He, he kept doing he kept doing the same thing. So I told uh, I told Scott I said this this bird is is giving me a challenge. I said <laughs> I'm after this bird. So I ended up uh, I think it was the third year I hunted him. He was a three year old, 
And I, I called to him. He flew across. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to chase him. So I ended up dropping down the ridge, crossing over to the other ridge. And when I got over there and I started calling to him, because he had gotten quiet, he gobbled again. Guess where he was at? <laughs> he was he was right back where I, where the uh, blind was, where I'd started. Oh, and, you know, man. you hear these all the time. You hear these stories all the time. And this bird had just, he, he had he had, he had done it again to me. And I'm like, you know what? I, I just cannot stand this. I have got to kill this bird because if I don't, I'm going to go crazy. Uh, so it it uh, it it definitely um, gave me a challenge. Well, that that third year, I I went back and hunted that bird several times. Finally, finally, I got him to come in. He flew down, hit the ground. He started coming up. Well, when he got up there, uh, he was he, he actually come up full strut and. When he got up there, there was a small sapling kind of blocking blocking him a little bit. And I thought, well, I can I can get around that sapling. So I, I turned, and I had to turn to my left. And when I turned to my left, I, I basically had to, you know, really twist my body and my torso right at my, uh, you know, right at my, my belt line there. And I was at such an awkward angle. I canted my shotgun and I missed that turkey at probably 14 yards. Oh no! And totally missed that bird. So, you know, that bird gave me the slip for seven <sighs> years. And as far as I know, that bird's still walking down there. <laughs> so, oh um, man, I, I don't know if that bird was ever ever harvested or not. I, I do still hunt that area, but. Uh, if, if, if I end up getting him this year, he'll probably have three-inch spurs on him. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> He's an old turkey. but uh, And I'm, I'm just exaggerating. Yeah, I know. But it'd be good to, uh, to, to harvest that turkey if he's still around and, and yeah. coyotes or another hunter hasn't got hold of him. I but, saw a, so. a video. I was talking to my buddy Trav <clears throat> actually earlier this morning. I watched a video of this guy who was trying to – uh, he posted this thing and he, I don't think he was trying to kill one of these birds, but he had a, uh, a, a Tom decoy out in front of him. He was walking up on this flock and he was super close and he actually got close enough that this guy, you know, reached up and he grabbed this Jake and, and, uh, got a hold of this Jake by the leg without using a gun or anything. And I told my buddy Trav, I said, I sent him the video. I said, this is amazing. I was like, these birds sometimes are extremely just predictable, dumb. They just like, sometimes they're just goofy. And then other times they make you look the exact same way. <laughs> like I can't tell you how many times where I've been the dumb bird that just can't figure it out. I mean, they're, they are just one of those, those animals that sometimes they are incredibly smart and, and frustrating to figure out. They are. And, and, you know, I've, over the years I've messed up too, where you think they're further away and then mm -hmm. you start moving on them, bump them, uh, just the, the, uh, uh, the mess ups that you hear a lot of turkey hunters go through. Um, you know, I can't remember. I, I was listening to old turkey hunter years ago and he said, uh, the uh, number one thing to kill turkeys is patience. Uh, you gotta have patience. 
And I practiced that a little bit more in probably the last six years. Uh, I'm not as much a run and gun uh, guy as I used to be. Of course, I've had two back surgeries, so I can't get around and, and run and gun like I used to. Uh, but I, I do practice a lot of patience when I'm turkey hunting anymore. Um, try to give them enough time where I, I don't bump them uh, or, uh, or spook them off. So, yeah, yeah, they're, you know, like you said, they can, they can sure make you feel dumb sometimes, but then, you know, when they do something silly, then you're like, well, you know, what's wrong with this turkey? (laughs) (laughs) This is easy. Yeah. <laughs> Let me, uh, you know, we, we get mostly in the stories here, but I do want to ask you now that you just kind of mentioned patience, um, what is your go-to tactic right now? So for guys that maybe are a little bit new to this or they just kind of want to hear, um, I, I still kind of go between tactics. I, I use a little bit of everything, but, um, Mark, what's your, what's your kind of, how would you set up if, if you're going to go out here in about a month, what's your, your, do you have a go-to way that you do it or do you kind of mix it up a little bit still? Yeah, what you know, you got to scout out your area. That that's your number one, uh, you know that that's your number one thing you need to do. And you know, a lot of people say, "Well, I know where they roost every year." Well, you know that they may roost there, but I've I've got some places that I've turkey hunted that they'll roost there in in the fall, but won't roost there in the spring, or vice versa. So you really need to scout out. A beautiful day like today would be a good day to go and scout, but you got to get there early, listen for them to gobble, and, uh, you know, just go in and find out where they're at and set up a blind. Once they fly down and, and everything, set up a blind close to the roost tree. And then when the time comes, you know, you can sneak in there under the cloak of darkness and get and get your decoys out and set up. And, uh, that, that's know, the I, thing. I, um, let me ask you about that real quick. If you don't mind me stopping, that's the thing yeah. for years and years and years. I, I heard guys put the turkeys to bed. I've heard that part, but I didn't realize that I always thought you could, you'd get too close to the roost. They'd hear you walking and you'd bump them off the roost. So can you talk about that just for a second? Like how close are you getting and how early are you going in there and how are you getting away with putting out those decoys without getting busted? How, how does that work? Uh, well, I get I get my blinds out pretty early, within a month before season. Okay. And <laughs> I go a little extra mile. I take and once I put my blind up, I take and my feet and I move the leaves from side to side, and make a path without any that I can walk on just the bare ground, and mm-hmm. I may go fifty or sixty yards until. Um, you know, from my blind toward where I'm going to walk in. So when you come in, you're not walking on the leaves. You come in and you're walking on bare ground. I'm sure you may have some leaves blow here and there, um, you know, before season comes in, but at least you can kind of step around them and it, it'll be a little less quiet. I take my blind. If it's zip open uh, windows, I have them already open. And I just keep the netting up. Um, and then, you know, that that's kind of how I sneak in. I get from probably 50 to 
80 yards away from the roost tree. Uh, 50 yards is pretty close. Um, but if you have removed your leaves and have you a good path coming in and you get there well below, well, well before daylight, then and use that cloak of darkness to get you in there, then you can you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the decoys, I do the same thing. I, I swipe the leaves over from side to side and make a path to where I'm going to put the decoys at. And so you have to you have to do a little work to get it to get the combination right to to be successful and be close to that roost tree. But uh, there has been times where, you know, I've got in and <laughs> they've changed the roost and they're closer to the blind. Uh, <laughs> matter of fact, uh, I wasn't expecting that a couple of years ago when uh, the focused pro staff, Aaron Swan and myself, we snuck into our blind and uh, we had uh, actually five Jake's that were 30 yards from our blind, they had changed roosts. They were roosting with two toms, probably close to 60 yards, and they had moved closer to the blind. And when they sounded off and gobbled that morning, I thought we were going to come out of our skin. They were so close. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's my tactic is oh, to, do, to do that homework and, 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 and do that extra work just to get in there, you know, scout, Find out where they're at, put the blind up, clear you out a path, and you know, um, I've I've been known to take a leaf blower in the woods with me and blow me a path if it's a, a kind of a long path. But I try not to go through a roof spot. I always put my blind around it somewhere. Okay. Um, but yeah, I I do not walk underneath a roost tree. Gotcha. Um, I will. I will walk the extra mile to get around a roost tree if I have to. Um, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I set up. Mm, that's good. I appreciate you sharing that. I think that'll be helpful to somebody this year. And uh, last year I ended up setting up, I believe directly underneath a roost tree. My brother had uh, picked the spot. Uh, the, I think the only thing that saved us is we got in there super early and it was a light drizzling rain. So we were able to get in, sit down. He's like, I think we're pretty close here. And that bird, he didn't fly out of the tree. He dropped out of the tree right in front of us. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had my camera in my hand because it had been raining and my yeah. brother had his gun pointed the wrong way, and it just, my brother fired off two shots, tried to get them, and it did not work out. Yeah. So uh, if you do set up in this way, you better be ready. That's the main thing I would say is, is be ready. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I have set up before. Uh, I used to hunt in one county, Kentucky, and uh, I, I set up underneath a gobbler one time, and he did the same thing. He landed actually right behind me. And when he landed, I'll never forget it. There was a breast feather or one of his feathers must have come off of me. And it flowed over my shoulder because the wind was blowing a little bit and right past my face. And, you know, that bird never did come in front of me. He, he was probably just feet behind me and he started spitting and drumming. And then he went down over the hill. And that was nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, <I bet. laughs> so, yeah, it can be, uh, it can, it, it, you can have a pretty extreme turkey hunt uh, when, uh, when you're 
real close to a tree like that and they come down and drop down right right close to you like that have you uh have you tried any of the i mentioned reaping have you tried anything like that or bow hunting or have you just kind of stuck to gun um i'm i am a big bow hunter when it comes to a deer but to be honest with you i have never taken a turkey with a bow but this year i'm gonna try it uh, me, me too man <laughs> yeah i i really want to take one with a bow and you know i i do a lot of blind hunting you know i, I get in a blind um and you know i just kind of told you what i do to set up so uh, you know i know that depending on your axle to axle uh you know you need to make sure that the height of the blind is not going to get in the way of your um, your upper wheel on your or cam on your bow and uh, you need to make sure that you can shoot out of your blind and you're set in the correct chair um, but I know there's some some things that you have to work through I've been practicing in my chair this year already uh, because I know that it does kind of mess up your draw length uh, as well from what I'm hearing uh, when you pull back and sitting in yeah. a chair um, so yeah, I'm excited to try to do that this year. Um, I'm, I'm praying that, uh, I get my first, uh, turkey with a bow this year. So, uh, I'll definitely be following along on, uh, focus outdoor ministry to see if that happens, man. Cause I, I would be pumped for you. I'm going to try the same thing. Um, I hesitate to even say this, but this is, uh, the stupidity of me. Uh, I think I might try a, a recurve bow. Um, I might just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't oh, know. Uh, I, and I know that that's going to be an incredible challenge because I'm going to have to get them within 15 yards, but I, I want to try it. We'll see. I might give up like a weekend and go back to the shotgun, <laughs> but I'm going to get, I'm going to give it a go and, and see how it goes this year. So, well, I noticed you've been shooting your, uh, your recurve a lot. So you've got time, you got time yeah. to, to get out there and practice and, and you really want your turkeys in close for bow shots anyways. Exactly. Um, a lot of folks that I've talked to, you know, they put their, their decoys, you know, like six yards in front of the blind yeah. uh, when they're bow hunting turkey. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm going to try that this year. And, and I'm going to be following you as well because I want to know if you get one, you know, text me, call me, let me know. Absolutely. Uh, I'll be able to share that excitement with you so well mark i i really appreciate you sharing uh, some of your stories i know you got a lot more up your sleeve so i'll definitely I'll be giving you a call some other time too to, to hear some more um you know it's interesting to me um i just want you to talk a little bit more um you've talked about this this outdoor ministry and some of the things that you guys do but it's interesting to me you guys have a room at your church and <laughs> it sounds like a pretty cool place you got turkey fans and a full mounted turkey there so talk a little bit about what you guys do as a ministry and, and, um, you know, how that works. I, I know that you guys have, I think you guys have gatherings on Sunday mornings with some guys. And so uh, in our closing time here, can you explain that a little bit more? Um, what focus outdoor ministry kind of looks like, um, you know, if somebody was checking that out or maybe even wanted to do something in their own church or their own community. Yeah, absolutely. Focus outdoor ministries, like I was telling earlier was, or is a 501c3 nonprofit, and but we do work underneath the local church, and we've been uh, working with uh, Miami Shores Baptist Church for a very long time, 
uh, actually, uh, this year we're going to be branching out to two more churches and uh, and working in those churches plus an archery range as well. Uh, but what we do is um, we have a sportsmen and sportswomen life group study every Sunday morning, and that starts at 10 a.m. Uh, and right now it's at our uh, at our home church at Miami Shores Baptist Church. Uh, but like I was saying, we're going to be uh, doing three more discipleship type studies at uh, three more locations uh, within the Miami Valley area here in Ohio, around Dayton, Moraine, Bellbrook uh, area. Uh, but we do have that sportsmen and sportswomen life group study uh, because the demographics are changing with with hunting. There's a lot of women that love to hunt now. Yeah, absolutely. And yet the ministry uh, it has has the demographics of it has changed and not only in our studies do we have men and women but we have uh, young young kids too so um, you know i've i've over the years i've had to change my style of teaching and, and discipleship uh, but it's it's a non-aggressive ministry we do not beat people over the head with a bible when they come in um, we, we have it in our outdoor ministry room. Uh, right now I'm looking at uh, four deer heads um, up on the wall, um, three fans, a full mount. I have a, a bear that uh, I'd harvested, a half mount, um, fish, uh, fox, uh, a pheasant. Um, we've got a lot of, of stuff here, uh, duck decoys, um, and and. You know, it, it brings a sense of comfort to a visitor who comes in. Mm -hmm. uh, they almost feel like they're walking into uh, their own house, you know, if they have mounts on the wall and stuff. So it brings a sense of comfort. And, and of course, the the folks that's involved in, in the, uh, the study are, you know, people who love to hunt fish and just love to be in the outdoors. But we have that sportsman and sportswomen life group study. Um, we also have four campouts a year. Um, we do have uh, uh, center shot archery, uh, where it's a youth archery program, uh, where we shoot Genesis bows, and and uh, we have several folks that's within the ministry that are certified through uh, USA Archery, and uh, we use range rules, and whistle commands, and and also do a, a small Bible study during that during that time of. Uh, of the archery um but you know we we gather together uh, usually once a month as well as a group and uh, have you know have a you know a meeting kind of talk about uh, more about the ministry and some visions that we have and you know uh, what god's doing in it uh, so we do a monthly meeting as well also we do a annual venison chili dinner mm. uh, the last saturday in february uh, of every year we've been doing that since uh, 1999 and uh, it's kind of like a wild game dinner we have a lot of door prizes and things and um, whitetails unlimited it's involved farmers and hunters feeding the hungry um, and maskins deer sense uh, archer world usa uh, and uh, Stealth Steps. Uh, we just got a lot of people involved, uh, local taxidermy 
uh, is is here, and and several other people will actually travel out of state, come and set up at our uh, event as well. And then uh, another thing I do is I speak at wild game dinners. I enjoy doing that. Um, I don't push that, you know. I just if somebody calls me and asks me if I do that, I, you know, I kind of let God be involved with that and, and touch the hearts of people. And if they want me to come, then, uh, you know, I work that out and, and I go and, and, and speak at all game dinners. But, uh, you know, that's pretty much our ministry. We're located yeah. here in Moreno, Ohio, and we just uh, we, we try to do a lot um, to have that common bond between believers and non-believers. That's so. good. Well, Mark, let me ask you this. Um, this. For guys, I mean, we have probably in a mix of guys that listen to this, some guys that listen for the hunting stories, and there might be some guys on there that think, man, that'd be kind of cool, maybe something that they might want to start in their own church or their own community. Um, is there a way that guys could reach out to you if they wanted some tips? Or uh, I know that you've... Um, I know that in the past you've done some like some uh, tips or some training on how to become a 501c3. So is there a way that guys could get a hold of you and, um, you know, if they had some questions about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if if there's someone that's listening and they want to uh, start a ministry in their church, um, I've actually have a about a three hour um, seminar. Uh, I can I can go to the church and and speak to them and, and their leadership and and share uh, a lot of things from uh, you know starting an outdoor ministry to financing an outdoor ministry. Uh, I've even got information on leasing uh, through an outdoor ministry, insurance through outdoor ministry, five hundred one c three nonprofit. Uh, I, I've got all that information. I can. I can share that with them. Uh, you know, we can talk about it over the phone as well or through Skype or, or something like that. But, yeah, all they need to do is get a hold of me. They can find me on Facebook, Mark Moore, or go to Focus Outdoor Ministry uh, Facebook page. Or they could email me okay. at focusoutdoorministries at gmail.com. Perfect. And, uh, and yeah, we can, you know, get together and talk, but I, I do have a lot of information over the years I've been doing this, and I've got the do's and don'ts. You know, yeah. there's things that that I've done in the past that didn't quite work right or work well. So, you know, ministry can be up and down, and, uh, you know, I can share all that information, the do's and don'ts that I've you know, experienced since 1998 of doing this. So, yeah. all right. Well, thank you. Thank you for being willing to share that. Uh, Mark, I just want to say thanks, man. I've been wanting to get you on for a while to hear some of your stories and, um, I definitely want to hear some more of them sometime. So we'll, we'll maybe see if we can, once we get off the line here, we can maybe schedule another time down the road where we can hear some more. I'd uh, love to hear some of your whitetail stories as well, but thanks for coming on today and share those. I really appreciate that. Travis, I really enjoy the invitation and you invite me. And uh, I know it's taken a little while, uh, you know, with my mom and dad being ill. And uh, just uh, appreciate your friendship, appreciate your heart for ministry, uh, appreciate your prayers. I know that you've been praying for uh, my mom and dad as they've uh, been going through their later years of life. And, and I've enjoyed sitting down and talking to you. 
and uh, this has been great. So absolutely, if you want to schedule another time, let's let's see if we can do it. It'd be, it, it would be fun. I don't know about you, but as I listened to Mark tell that story about his dad's first turkey and getting a double on that first hunt, um, big smile came to my face. Big smile. That's just one of those special moments in life. And I think that's what's really um, unique about hunting is just how many special moments that you can have um, with that great hobby of ours. I, I will never forget, at least I don't think I will, my daughter sitting on my lap running that box call for the first time and seeing her eyes light up as that turkey gobbled back. Um, pretty special moment I had yesterday. And it also makes me think about how many moments I might miss sometimes because I'm so preoccupied with my own stuff or worrying about things or just, uh, I don't know, sometimes in life we can just kind of get tunnel vision. And one thing I believe this coronavirus has done for me is it's opened my eyes up to more of what I need to be doing every week anyway. So when life gets back to normal, I kind of want to see a new normal. more connection with people, more calling in and checking on some of the old folks that I know, more calling in and checking in on my, my neighbors, and, and um, that's, that's stuff that I want to continue to do. More uh, shooting bow in the backyard and less TV. So I just encourage you to think about that a little bit. Um, consider some things that you're doing now, and are you making the most of this? And then what are some things maybe whenever this whole thing passes over, and eventually I believe it will, um, what, what do you want that to look like? That's my encouragement for you. I really appreciate you guys listening to this show. I hope that you enjoy it. I hope that it gives you a, a smile and something to think about. And that's all I'm going to say today. I hope that you come back next week for another great episode. And remember to shed the light. 